0: So, Willett, we're starting this short series this this week, just looking at the Christian discipline of lament. And perhaps like me, uh, you'd like the chance to be reminded of what lament is and how we can develop it as part of our uh, Christian language, as part of our prayer language in our Christian lives. And I'm really excited for all that God is going to be saying to us and teaching us over the next um, three weeks. And I'd love to just quickly pray as we think about that passage which Kenny uh, read and, and all that God has to say to us. So let's just pray together. Father God, we do thank you that you're present with us this morning. We thank you that you love to be in conversation with us, to celebrate uh, in our joys, um, but also to be there in, in times of trouble, in times of crisis. And we pray as you speak to us through your word, we pray that we would have hearts that are open to all that you want to say to us. And we pray in your name. Amen. Um, Well, I wonder if you've seen that great video that is uh, going around on the internet at the moment with the comedian Michael McIntyre. And it's a sketch where he visits a fortune teller. And if you haven't seen it, I'm going to put it up on the um, Facebook chat um, after the service. It is fantastic. And the sketch is set in June last year, so June 2019. And the fortune teller has really disturbing news um, as uh, he speaks to Michael. And he gazes into his crystal ball and he states this. Next year, you will no longer be a comedian. You will be a substitute teacher, an amateur hairdresser. Your uniform for these jobs will be tracksuit bottoms. You'll wear these tracksuit bottoms for many months and in your top half, you'll wear the t-shirt that you slept in the night before. You'll spend many months inside and you'll only be out allowed out once a day for exercise. Sound familiar? Well, last summer, we couldn't have foreseen uh, what we'd be going through and what we have in in store in all the disruptions of this year. And as a nation, we're really good at finding the humour in times of challenge. And a stiff upper lip is uh, right in the heart of our DNA as a nation, and that's probably a really good thing. Though however tough our stiff upper lips, if we're honest, we're living through tough times. We're living through tough times personally, through tough times as a country, and we're living through tough times as a world. We may have met people who cheerfully uh, announce that they've rather enjoyed life in lockdown. And if that's you, that is something to give real thanks for. But for many of us, the coronavirus pandemic has been, and it continues to be, a really tough time. For many of us, the toughest time we've ever faced And we have to be honest that this is a time of lament. Many of us have been close to the tragic consequences of the pandemic, we're reminded on a daily basis about the number of people who have died as a result of the virus. And many in our community, many in our church family have experienced that grief personally. Our children and our young people have faced huge upheaval and uncertainty in their education which makes them for many years, they've missed seeing their friends at such important formative years. We may have struggled or feared for our finances. We may be facing the loss of a job. I'll always remember the night that we sent our team home in cabs with the kit that they would need to work remotely uh, in lockdown. The next morning, instead of all chatting together in their kitchen in our office, we met on a Zoom call. And we started every day with a Zoom call as we stepped into this new world and there was loads of stiff upper lip on display. But as the days went on in one meeting, I said to our team it was okay to feel sad to have down days, that we didn't always need to jump on the Zoom calls with our happy faces on. We could join the calls and be honest about what we really felt that morning. I shared that I had down days, tough days, Well, that opened the floodgates. People shared that there were days when they couldn't face our cheery chats. One person shared that their grandmother who was suffering from coronavirus had been given days to live. Some feared for their mental health or the mental health of their partner. And there were tears. And our team crossed a line that morning. For the first time, we expressed what we really felt. We shared our fears and our disappointment and our grief. And we grew closer as a team. And that reflects how it can be on our Christian journeys. We might want to bury our true emotions in our prayers, not wanting to disrespect the creator of the universe. We might question how a loving God can allow this level of pain and upheaval to happen. We might be angry with God as we see the poorest in our world suffering the most. We might not want to admit that our faith has suffered during the coronavirus. We might even wonder what God is up to. And if we felt any of these things, then we're in good company. We join the long family tree of God's people facing up to life in the reality uh, of life in a broken world. In the tough times that we're facing in 2020, we step in line with the people of God stretching back thousands of years who have cried out to God at times of crisis. And lament, l- lament refers to those times in the Bible when the people of God cry out. If you look at lament in a dictionary, it says a, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, a complaint. The practice of lament is deeply biblical over a third of the Psalms are lament. An entire book of the Bible, the Book of Lamentations, is centered on a lament over destruction of Jerusalem. And as Donna reminded us last week, Jesus lamented in the final hours of his life. Those words, My God, my which Kenny read is an example of the tradition of lament. In our translation, the the psalm is titled a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before God. And you see that if you if you're reading along, you'll see that in verse one to five. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me. When I'm in distress, turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke, my bones burn like glowing embers. My heart um, is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. The complaint is clear and it's direct and it's detailed. It reads as a nose to nose challenge to God. There's no airbrushing here, no polite buttoned up emotions. In Psalm 102, like so many Psalms, the tears flow and God lets them be recorded in our Bibles for our learning. We all know the difference uh, between acquaintances and, and friends who we know a little, and the closest family and friends that we have, those that we can say everything is rubbish to when it is, those who we can cry in front of, those who we can tell our deepest fears to. Well, a lament is that type of conversation. A lament is an act of drawing uh, near to God. Drawing near to God with our raw emotions, our questions, our unpolished prayers. To lament is to offer our honest, uncensored pain and heartache to God. And no prayer is too honest. A lament is, to pl- is a place where we can bring our unedited emotions to God, even if it doesn't seem very pretty or very polite. And what's really excited me as I've prepared this talk is what makes a lament different from a helpless human cry. A lament is more than an expression of sorrow or a venting of emotion. As one writer puts it, laments turn toward God when sorrows tempt us to run from him. A lament talks to God about pain. It's a raw, honest outpouring of what's on our hearts, but it's more than a helpless human cry. A lament is grounded in hope. It's a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, our frustrations and our sorrows for the purpose of helping us renew our trust and our confidence in God. And you can see that in Psalm 102, as it pivots on one of the great buts of the Bible. Um, we'll read on a bit, look at, look at verse 12, that great uh, pivot, that great but, but you sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. And then in verse 16, for the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. And then on in verse 25, in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. The writer of this psalm reminds us that God is not ignorant to the suffering of creation. God has not forgotten and God has not rejected us. As we lament, we're reminded that we share in God's own lamenting over the brokenness of his creation. Lament, lament, interpret the brokenness of our world through a gospel lens. Christians lament rather than cry out desperately because we know the big picture of God's plan. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. In Revelation, right at the end of the Bible, we're reminded about the ending of all laments. From Revelation 21, verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The prayer of lament provides us with a fantastic prayer language for living lives amidst the brokenness of our world and choosing to trust in God's sovereignty. And choosing to trust is key here. It's the great pattern of lament in the Bible, a pattern running through so many of the Psalms. God's people look back and they remember. And they remember God's faithfulness. God rescuing his people, taking them out of the land of Egypt, God forgiving their rebellion time and time and time and time again. They look back they remember and they choose to trust. As Christians living through tough times, we cry more than a helpless cry. We cry a lament, acknowledging the pain, but actively trusting in God's faithfulness, his goodness and his sovereignty. We remember and we trust that we are living through the years of waiting, waiting for Jesus to return and restore everything. As I close, I want us to think of some of the ways that we might respond this week. Many of us um, who are facing uh, tough times, we may struggle to find the words to pray, uh, either the the despair, the the hope, and, and perhaps this week we just look through the Psalms and. Perhaps we want to make one of those psalms our prayer this week. We might want to remember the faithfulness of God in our lives, the times that we have known God's touch. Perhaps this week we might experiment with our own lament prayer language, offering honest, raw, uncensored prayers to our Heavenly Father. And perhaps we're in the practice of journaling. And as we think about the coronavirus pandemic, we might want to write down our own prayer of lament to God. In a moment, Esther is going to lead us in a reflection song and it's a lovely version of the hymn, Be Still My Soul. Words written in 1697 that speak to us in 2020. And you might want to use these words as a prayer this week. And we'll share the the link to these words um, in the Facebook chat uh, after the service. Be still my soul, the Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave to your God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still my soul, your savior and your friend will lead you safe until a joyful end.